This podcast series is sponsored by Havwitz, the prevailing name in beautiful wood flooring design. Gracing the surfaces of hotels, workspaces, private residences and more, Havwitz offers stunning wood flooring and cladding options in all conceivable colours and designs. Visit our showrooms today or contact us for more detail at havewoods.com forward slash UK. Hello and welcome to the interior design business. My name is Jeff Hayward and I'm here with my co-host Susie Rumbold, past president of the British Institute of Interior Design and creative director of Tasuto Interiors to explore Cooper House, an interior design project winner in the Northern Design Awards 2022. We all want dream projects that will win us the accolades of our peers and attract new clients. But what makes an award-winning project? What makes it special and worth the significant investment in money, time and effort that it takes to prepare a winning award entry? Today we're joined by Lisa Keats from Keats Interiors, the company behind this NDA winner in the category for interior design projects with a value greater than £500,000, to explore the anatomy of her award-winning design and find out the answers to these and other questions. Welcome to the interior design business. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi there. So before we begin, can you give us a brief introduction to yourself and Keats Interiors? So I have a degree in applied arts with modules in architecture. And then after my degree, actually qualified to become a secondary school teacher before moving into interior design. I've been an interior designer now for 21 years, working for various interior design companies and an architectural firm. And then I took the leap to set up Keats Interiors 12 years ago. So we've been going for a reasonable amount of time now and we've just built on our strengths. We predominantly uh, work on residential projects, but also work on select commercial projects. We work on a varied range of styles of projects from listed building projects to contemporary new builds like Cooper House. Fantastic. And who were the clients exactly on Cooper House? So um, our clients on this house were just a really lovely young family with two young children one who was born whilst we were working on the project, actually. Um, we were recommended to this client by the architects who had already started on the project, obviously, previously to us working on it. And so what and where was the project? What is Cooper House and where is it located? Uh, Cooper House is a 12,000-square-foot new-build uh, one-off project in Cheshire. It's designed in the arts and crafts style with a contemporary annex element off the back of the property. And at what stage did you become involved? How early did the architect get you on board? Yeah, so with this one, we worked, we started working on the project where we like to start working really, which is very early on. So even before the planning permission was, was approved on this one. So whilst the architects and ourselves were still working on playing with the interior layout of the project, we got involved at that stage and started working through our oh, process. So, so that's great. So you were able to have some impact on the on that final space planning piece? It, yeah, we, we always do. And normally projects, we normally get brought in at the point where the planning permission has already been gained on the project. So although we can make internal arrangement layout changes, we don't want to do anything that's going to affect the planning permission, so nothing involving windows or doors or anything sure. external. So this one was slightly earlier? You were there before the planning permission? Yeah, you know, the, the earlier you get involved, the more effect you can have, the more influence you can Interesting. have. Yeah, no, I think it's so important. And then, so from the point at which you became involved, then how long did it take before you were handing them the keys and saying, there you are, Mr and Mrs Cooper House, 
It's all yours. It was two and a half years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and most of our projects of this nature are usually around that kind of length of time. But to be, we're still we're still tinkering now with this house and fiddling with bits and pieces. And I'm intrigued to know at what stage do you think to yourself, this could be an award contender. I think we hope that all of our projects are design award That's contenders. That's very positive thinking. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So it, it it was obviously one of many that you're working on. Yeah, all of our projects we try to produce to the best of our possible abilities. You know, irrespective of brief, I think you can make that award winning if you put the right level of effort and skill into it. Um, so it's not really about the quality of the project then, just to burrow into that a bit more. It's just, it's more about the, the skill of the designer that makes it, I suppose that's self-evident really, isn't it, when you put it like that's, that? That's what yeah. you're in it for, yes. So your website, I was really intrigued by this, your website describes the project as Belgian-influenced. What was the Belgian connection? Um, that initially came from the client brief, to be honest. Um, he wanted to bring some elements of that style into the project, and we were happy to oblige because we love that style of interior design as what, well. What was his Belgian connection? Just a love of the style. Yeah, wow. absolutely. And, and what is Belgian style? I mean, Scandinavian's cliched minimalism. What, what's Belgian? What's so, that mean? My interpretation of Belgian style would be that it's it's very understated, um, although it's quite often uh, very contemporary and paired back, it's also very relaxed and quite a gentle style. Materials are very important, so a lot of natural materials, stones, textured woods, linens and wools. Materials tend to be quite matte in, in surface finish and textured, and the design tends to be very considered in terms of the, the detailing, where you've got a very pared back and restrained aesthetic. The devil's in the detail. Every last small detail is going to be important. And our keywords on this project were restrained and understated. And did the client have that clear aesthetic in his head before he even met you? Um, the client brief to us was of a very contemporary interior fit out. But we were conscious that architecturally, the exterior of the, the property was going to be, in the main part, this arts and crafts style. Just to hook back for a second, so why was the outside in an arts and crafts movement style? <laughs> Do you know, I honestly don't know. I mean, uh, the residential area that it was set into had quite a lot of arts and crafts style properties so in the area. planning related? So planning related, you know, they were always a lot more positive towards um, that style of architecture for that area. So the main architectural styles in that area tended to be either arts and crafts or Italianate were the two that generally were, were encouraged from the planners. And, and did you end up doing a lot of research then into kind of Belgian-ness, Belgian design? <laughs> Well, we um, initially took a trip to Belgium to visit a number of stone yards and showrooms with the clients. Um, so there was various companies that we wanted to see. So there was uh, some flooring companies, some stone yards we wanted to see. So we could source stones for the bathrooms and the floors. And then a fireplace company that we wanted to see. And then some general interior design showrooms. So we used the opportunity. Um, we were there for two days. We, we travelled from Brussels to Ghent and Nock and visited various places in each of those areas over two days, um, along with a little bit of beer and a little bit of chocolate at the same time. And the client? 
and the client and the, the client went with you on the trip yes that's right yeah so yeah so yeah there was the client and myself so they got to see all of everything in the in in the flesh as well so we could really discuss what it was that they were kind of connecting to and weren't connecting with you know in the stone yards we you know if they really liked one particular piece i took a photograph of it and, and took notes on everything so as we were going i was kind of getting to build up a layering of what their passions were within the, the spectrum of belgian style whilst we were there so it was helpful having the client directly involved and engaged with you on this trip and in the development and evolution of the brief absolutely yeah to have the client available as well i think is very important so chris was very engaged very interested and very available and was there whenever discussions needed to be as many meetings as we needed to have so it was a very we like we prefer to work very closely with the client so that their understanding of what we're trying to achieve and what they're going to get as the end result is what we expect it to be as well you know and then everybody's happy and did they evolve it did it did it morph as you went through the process yeah so i think the process the design process that we put into place for all of our projects allows that to happen organically um, so we start off by creating an initial styling concept that um, looks at where we see the end results being at that initial stage then we start looking at the layouts in in great detail in terms of how the client's lifestyle is going to fit into the spaces and how they're going to use all of those spaces to check that that's going to work for them as it stands and then we start looking at materials um, and having a palette of materials that will will flow through most of the space of the house and then start to uh, work through all of those kind of development details then one after one after another and so we find that that process actually starts to um, create a house that almost starts designing itself because once you've got all that kind of initial preparation done in terms of creating the language of the style and the aesthetic of the property then everything then just kind of does its own thing and falls starts to place. falls into place yeah. yeah and were you thinking about the project's potential as an award winner while you were designing did that influence any of the decisions you were making no not really you know as as a project finishes you know or starts to be coming to completion you start thinking about the award season and so on and whether it's going to be possible you know we have a lot of clients who you know for privacy reasons just don't want their projects to be entered into awards and things which is quite can be quite frustrating um, we had a stretch of a few years where we just had so many private clients we just um, we couldn't enter anything in at that point but no I don't, I don't think you're ever considering awards really I mean it's that's not the point of it, is it? No, really, okay. it's just so it's just it's, a so nice it's more as it's bonus. coming as it's coming to its glorious conclusion. You're beginning to see how it's going to look, and you're thinking to yourself, "Oh, this this could be this could be good." And you must be thinking of the story that you're going to be telling all the way through as well. I guess so. Yeah. Even if you're subconsciously you are, but you're not necessarily aware of it, but you must be thinking this is going to make a great. Well, it's going to, it's going to photograph <laughs> they well. All, yeah. Yeah. Photograph yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, I think you you are conscious of how things are going to photograph because you know that is important to have those photographs at the end yeah. of a project. But every you know when would you ever do a project that takes two and a half years and not have a great story at the end of it? You're course, always course. it's always going to have a story, isn't it? Yeah, that's so true. So can you describe the layout of the property? Yeah. So. This project spread over four floors. So um, in the basement level, there's a cinema room and a man cave with a wine room off that, and then a gym and a spa area. And then on the first floor, the entrance hall has full height 
crittle um, internal style glazed doors into the dining room and the day living space. Then a snug and a boot room, study and a sunroom off that, which opens out onto the garden and the outdoor kitchen. And then the first floor houses all the family bedrooms and the laundry. And then the top floor has all of the guest bedrooms. And parents aware on the first floor? Same yes. Door as the children. Yes, yeah, yeah. I find in terms of lifestyle for, for families that works best really because then you're separating guests off onto their own floor so they have a little bit of separation from you as well. And then family and children are all on the one floor and everybody's in the one space together. And, and tell me about the gardens and you mentioned an outdoor kitchen. Yeah, so the, um, the gardens were designed by Barnes Walker and they're off the, the sunroom, which is in the contemporary annex, has, two, uh, has a whole corner that opens up with sliding glazed doors onto a patio area with a, with a full garden kitchen. Parasols, dining table, uh, barbecue, cookers, fridges, the whole works. I'm, I'm guessing that these people love to cook and entertain? Yes, they do, yeah. And what areas of the build were you precisely responsible for? So the um, initially we developed the interior furniture layouts, identifying areas of bespoke cabinetry, um, the layouts for the bathrooms and the WCs and allowing the client to understand how the spaces were going to work and how they could be used. Then we developed the detailed bathroom and WC designs and also the small power layouts. We worked with Tyson Lighting on this project to do the architectural uh, lighting design and layouts. We normally do this element ourselves, but Andy was a family friend of the client and did a great job. So we worked directly with him to ensure that the designs that he was producing were in line with the rest of the aesthetic and the interiors that we were creating. Um, then we um, detailed up all of the interior architectural details. So the ceiling details, there was coffered ceilings, uh, ceiling recesses for curtain tracks, ducting and so on for heat recovery systems and so on. Uh, we're involved with the staircase design, the architectural joinery, door specification, fireplace designs, you know, and then all the electrical specification. Then on to designing and drawing up all the bespoke cabinetry and specifying all the internal finishes. And finally, we designed and specified all of the furnishings, window treatments, artwork and accessories. Wow. Comprehensive, wow. eh? How many drawings did you produce? Uh, I did count that up. It, it's yeah, it's about hundred. Hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Because you've you've got all the main drawings, but then you've got all those little details. Like we did a cluster of lighting in the basement corridor that that ran up the wall and then onto the ceiling. So each one of all of that needed to be detailed and measured out so that it could be pinpoint kind of carried out by the electricians. Um, we like to make sure that every contractor on our projects is happy. And the way to make them happy, in my view, is to make sure that they have all the information before they even realise that they need it. Very good point. And it sounds like a huge team must have been involved on this project. So what other consultants were you working with? Yeah, so um, we had Maison IOM did the architectural detailing on the project. And then Tyson Lighting obviously did the, the lighting design. AV uh, design and install was done by Intuitive Homes. And then we had an M&E designer, which developed by the M&E contractors. And then FF&E procurement was provided by Gerald Barring Associates as well. So yeah, quite a good sized team. 
So you actually used a procurement agent. You specified ZFFNE, but somebody else actually went and bought it. Yeah, yeah. So as a company, we specify, we don't supply product like most interior designers do. So we work a little bit more like a, an architect's where you wouldn't expect an architect to design you a house and then try and sell you the bricks for it. Um, and we feel that that works better for us as a business because we don't have to get involved in that side of things. We oversee it all and we make sure that everything is costed correctly and that everything's ordered when it needs to be ordered. We manage all of that that you would expect an interior designer to get involved with. But we find that uh, sale of product is where you go from becoming a designer to becoming a salesperson. No, it's, it's so true. I mean, that's where we all cross over from offering professional services into effectively retailing commercial activity. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always where the, if you're going to have a problem and there's going to be a clash, that's where it will occur. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think and so many our... designers don't don't understand that, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. And from our point of view, I think that's where your your, your clients can uh, lose trust with you because you know you hear so many clients saying, "Oh, they're making an absolute fortune," and you you know you're not making a margin. I've worked for many companies through the years that did all sell the product, and you knew exactly what percentage commission or whatever you were making on the on the product, and it wasn't the huge sums that I think the clients presumed you were making on the product. Um, and so from my point of view, you know, if I'm pushing for one chandelier over another or a stone for a swimming pool area over another, I want the clients to trust that that's because I think it's the right product for the for the job and not because it's the one that I've got the most margin in. Mm, no, the most skin in the game. So apart from the 100 plus drawings that we've already talked about, what other sort of project documentation did you have to produce? Um, so there's various schedules um, that allowed everyone to, to understand what was going in in what area of the house. Um, so flooring schedules, so these have to be initially at least uh, speculatively produced early early stages because for things like staircase design and so on, they're going to need to know what the flooring thicknesses are and the build-up and so on. So materials have to be determined at an early stage for that kind of thing. Uh, decorative lighting schedules, you know, for when they're installing second fix, they need to know what fitting's going where, what it looks like, how heavy it what is, the, how heavy it is, what the you know the finished drop's going to be, because there's nothing that upsets me more than an electrician hanging a chandelier at too high a, too high a height, and they've already cut the cable, and so everything's laid out within the lighting schedule, so that they can just they have the documents, there's pictures, there's diagrams, there's everything they could possibly want on there. I heard of a terrible story recently where something else that went the other way, where the designer had specified the chandeliers. They then had a, a bit of a, an upset with positions for Vancord units, dropped the ceilings in the principal reception rooms to account for the Vancord units being above the ceilings, and nobody ever went back to check on the drops. On the drops, ah. and so of course, you know, they were all down to people's knees once these ah. huge chandeliers went in. Couldn't you couldn't walk under them? <laughs> anyway, we digress. We oh dear. Well, yes. at least it's a lot easier to shorten a, a chandelier cable than it is to lengthen it. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and the staircase in the house is is particularly stunning. Did you work with a specialist supplier? How did that design come about? Yeah, we did. So the staircase is inspired by a, a staircase by Vincent van Doysen, who um, we both love as an interior designer. And we worked with an incredible staircase company, Smet Staircases. I don't know whether you've worked with them before. Um, they did a beautiful job. It's deceptively simple, this staircase. And it was very complicated to, one, get the detailing correct. It looks complicated. <laughs> I don't think it looks simple at all. Um, but also get it within budget because the first quotes we were, we were getting in were considerable. 
um, and uh, trying to work out a way to manufacture it in a way that we could achieve and it also was within budget was was took some work. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful staircase. So it's an elliptical staircase. It sweeps uh, from the basement through to the ground floor and then up onto the first floor seamlessly with a solid balustrade, which is a classical profile on the top edge. So that follows through from the uh, oversized arts and crafts architraves that we used around the doors and the windows to marry in the arts and crafts architecture into our contemporary interior. So there were some arts and crafts elements that you, you bought indoors? Yeah, just a, a few just within the bones of the interior because we had stone mullioned windows and, and so on that although it was an external element, it was visible internally. Um, and so we had to find some way to achieve a, a reference to that within the, the, the throw. So, yeah, so, you know, to do all of the architraves on all of the doors and all of the windows in that style, just brought that thread through in, in every space of the house and then to, to take it through on the, the top of the handrail on the staircase as well, just married that in, even though the main kind of concept for the staircase was very contemporary and very understated and minimal and all the all of the key. And just picking up on something else you mentioned just now, you were talking about the budget for the staircase. Did you have an overall budget for the project or did you have a cost consultant involved? Did you have budget packages? No, we didn't on this one. Um, the, the house was, I would say, was a hobby of the clients. So if he liked something, he would pay for it, uh, was, was generally the attitude, which was a lovely freeing way to work. But, you know, when there was elements that just came in incredibly expensive, obviously then it had to be worked on to get it into somewhere that was more, more reasonable. Um, so tell us, what are the specialists? You, so you had you had Smet doing the staircases. Were there other specialists that helped yes. to complete the work? Yeah, so we used three different cabinet makers on the project. So um, firstly, because there was just a lot of bespoke cabinetry in the house and trying to achieve all of that install, which would have all been required for the same time with one cabinet maker would have been too much. And then also because some cabinetry suited one cabinetry over, over another one. So we used Hetherington Newman for a large chunk of the uh, cabinetry, including the kitchen, guest WC, boot room, cloak room, master ensuite suite vanity units and so on. And then atelier uh, we used for the wine room and the cinema room, AV units and drinks bars. And then for the more simple pieces of cabinetry, we used um, a local one-man band who did kind of gym cupboards and guest bedroom sleepover beds and bits and pieces like that. Then we had specialist finishers that worked with the um, specialist uh, decorative plaster finishes that we use throughout the house. And uh, we, used, we worked with um, a couple of artists. So Sam Locke was commissioned to produce a number of paintings for the house, a pair in the dining room, and then a few other pieces around the house. Um, and a ceramicist, Lucy Burley, did some bespoke um, jugs that were made for two bespoke niches in the, in the snug area. So that was really nice to work, work with her. Um, and then specialist stone supplier, Granite House as well, who did all of the stonework throughout the house. So there was quite a lot of bespoke size slab work for some of the cabinetry so they liaised with all the various cabinet makers within all of their elements and then the spa area all of the tiling was was cut bespoke to follow lines through and there was bowel vaulted ceilings and so on so they worked through all of that and were these people you were bringing onto the project or were they subcontractors of the contractor because you must have had a fantastic contractor as well we did have a great contractor yeah yeah um, it was a combination so we put forward some people 
they put forward some people. We're happy to work with people we know or people that the, the main contractors are comfortable with working with. You know, if they've got a team that they're used to working together, you know, that can make it much easier for the projects in terms of how that flows and how everybody works together and communicates with each other. So we're happy to work with either contractors that we know well and we've worked with before or with the contractors that the, that the main contractor brings. Yeah. brings and in. I suppose it expands your address book too. Yeah, win, absolutely. Win, win, win. Yeah, yeah. You get good ones and you get bad mm. ones. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And what were the biggest challenges you faced during the project and how did you solve them? Um, well, marrying, initially, I think marrying that contemporary interior brief with the arts and crafts ar architecture was, was a challenge. But I feel that that was done very, you know, we found a really successful solution for that. Time slippage was quite a problem on the project, especially towards the end of the project, because we were working towards a completion date where we were setting up all of the installation and making sure that everyone from our side of things, so curtain fitters, um, finishers, all of our suppliers were planning to bring all of their pieces in and install those. And that end date slipped and slipped and slipped and, and slipped. And so there was, you know, change of dates for deliveries and moving of contractors and installers and so on quite a number of times. On the last occasion, two weeks before the install, we had to cancel everybody and move it to the other side of Christmas. So how long did the project drag on for after it should have been done and dusted? Um, I think initially we were supposed, they were supposed to move in before um, September. And I think they finally moved in at the end of January. So there's a reasonable amount of slippage. I mean, we also had the perfect storm during this project of COVID, Brexit and the Suez Canal blockage all of happening course, of course, during this project yes. so that was a lot of fun so not <laughs> yeah so obviously site closed down for four weeks during the first covid lockdown then there was a lot of site contact restrictions um and then obviously material supply and contractor supply uh, shortages you know things like plaster and plasterboard at one point you had to like be some sort of vigilante if you wanted to get some of those materials and then you know with the Suez canal blockage as well and all of everything that was happening in terms of the issues with supplying from Europe with Brexit and everything we had to basically source everything well ahead of time and place all those orders and just store all of that stuff, knowing that then at least we knew that it was going to be there and it was going to be sat ready for when the install did actually come. Because if we'd have waited till what you would normally adjust, do, adjust in time, yeah, sort of you know, just things would never have <clears throat> never have been there, and the, the client would have been moving into a, a half-empty house. Wow, particularly challenging. Well, obviously you solved all these problems. Were there any other design highlights from the project? Do you know? I think. Working, this was the first project where we'd worked on a Belgian influence and I think that was very enjoyable to, to really kind of push ourselves into an area that we weren't as comfortable and as used to, to working in and that was incredibly you know enriching for us as a team. Um, we've done a lot of work with kind of very contemporary projects and Georgian style architecture and listed building work and so on but um, to go into this style of interior architecture was, was really good fun. The staircase did turn out so beautifully and there were little areas within it that were just so beautiful. They were almost like sculpture. So as you went down into the basement hall, the way the staircase kind of swept, the underside of the staircase swept and helixed round above your head was just as they were creating it and forming it, the plaster workers, you could see these kind of lines being created and the, the shadows being formed. and. 
I don't think the underside of the staircase anybody was particularly considering about in, in great detail, but looked just like a, a beautiful work of art when it was finished. Wonderful. And what did your clients say when you asked them if you could enter the project into the Northern Design Awards? They were, they were very happy and very supportive. That you know, They've always been very supportive of us with, with this project and they were just happy for us to put it in and support us. And did you have to do anything special to reassure them that you'd be able to protect their privacy? We we did what we always do um, when we're dealing with projects like this and putting them into awards. So there's no mention of the site location or of the client's name. All the details of the client and the site name and addresses are taken off all of the materials that we submit for the judging panel and all the photography that we um, produce. We ensure that there's no personal or family images or photographs within the spaces. Or any potentially identifiable art, for example. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Were there any other restrictions on certain views of the rooms that you were allowed to show? No, not from the client. Um, they even left us to it on photo shoot day. They weren't even in the house. They just said, just get on with it. And we made sure that everything was put back exactly the way it was before. We stage each of the shots anyway. So adjustments are made and things are rearranged slightly to make sure that the, the shot looks correct from the angle that you're taking it from. So. And do you do your own staging or do you bring in a company to do that? And do you bring in lots of other things or do you use the client's? It depends. Um, sometimes the client, sometimes the project isn't quite a hundred percent complete, so you have to bring in a few extra bits because everything's not quite perfect in there yet. This particular project was was ninety percent there, so we bring some props in, um, and we stage ourselves. So the photographer we use, Adrian Lambert, um, has an incredible eye for detail. It's why we use him. His work is beautiful. His lighting is gorgeous. So his eye works on things as much as mine does, but I make sure that I approve, you know, each shot and that, you know, I'm checking it from my, from my own point of view as much as he's checking it from his artistic point of view and we adjust as we go. And then we put the room back together again. <laughs> One question we haven't asked, which seems to me as important, is that you enter awards because it's, it's going to help benefit your business. Marketing is something that is gold dust when you've got a great project. So. Talk to me about, about the value that this project's brought to the business. Um, yeah, well, we use Instagram for our kind of day-to-day -day marketing, so that's been really nice to um, show those projects, um, show the project images, the details, be able to show off the award and so on. I think it's also been valuable as well for our junior designer to, to kind of be involved in that process and be, be part of that award and, and see what the work goes towards. So would you say worth all the effort? Oh, 100% every time, <laughs> every time. I was just going to ask, what was the best thing for you and your design practice about working on this project? Oh, it was the client and the builds team as well, to be honest. It was a great team on this project and it was so such a nice team to work with. The clients, very design-led, had a great understanding of aesthetic we were trying to achieve, very available. Um, and just a super nice guy to work for as well. So that just makes everything a pleasure, doesn't it? And you want to try your absolute hardest for them then. And then the build team, you know, very professional, great attention to detail. You know, some contractors just don't read your drawings, you know, and, and, and these guys read everything to the nth degree, knew everything about each of your drawings and, and kept on top of everything, which was brilliant. And they were also very solution-led, which I think is very, very important in a good project team as well. You know, problem-led contractors just drive me insane.
It sounds like everyone involved must have just been glowing with pride by the time you finished. Yeah, but I think everyone just wanted to do a great job for the client, you know, because he's just such a good guy. You know, it makes a difference, doesn't it? It certainly does. It really does. Well, thanks so much for your time, Lisa. It's been a fascinating insight into, into the project and congratulations on all its successes. Thank you very much. And I just wanted to add my thanks to Lisa for making us so very, very welcome in her lovely, lovely studio today in here in Warrington. And I just wanted to, for the benefit of listeners, say that we're sat in this gorgeous, gorgeous room overlooking a garden and the most beautiful canal. And we've got canal boats, narrow boats going past us about once every five minutes. So if you're hearing any odd noises in the background, that's what they are. You do know why. Thanks also to our series partners, Havewoods, the prevailing name in beautiful wood flooring for their support. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do get in touch on our social channels at Interior Design Business Pod to share any feedback. The Interior Design Business is a Wildwood Plus production. Thank you. Thank you.